Okay, Beseder, here we are. It is Parshas Taldais, and I want to uh, I want to start by, by dedicating the class to all of our soldiers who are currently inhabiting Biblical Gerar, um, which is present-day Gaza, and they should be able to be successful and come home safe, just like Yitzhak set the paradigm that he was able to go there and be super successful. Um, that should be everybody's story. Okay, so uh, Oria loves <laughs> loves this parsha. Did anybody have a chance to look at the parsha? Yeah. What's going on? Tell me one thing that happens in the parsha, Zahava. Um, Rivka has twins. Rivka has twins. Twins, two nations. Right. Digs up the wells that Abraham dug up. Right. Okay, somebody else, what else is going on in the Parsha? This way we get the whole overview of the Parsha the, and not have to waste my time. I mean, not waste my time. Like, what's that, what? What palace did they go to? They went to Avi Yeah. They went to Avi Yeah. In oh. Grar. In Grar. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yes. Well. Yeah, it's a mind-blowing week. But by the, by the way, no. my son, my, what my, my son told my other son, that if he sees any really beautiful buildings there, he should put a sign on it. Uh, Shamor for my note. It's safe for my note. Don't destroy. <laughs> for the women's program. <laughs> for, the, oh, <laughs> for whoever, yeah. Exactly. The brother's drama. The brother drama. In, okay, you need to be in voracious. You need to be a little more specific than brother's drama. Okay, the blessings drama. Okay, we have blessings drama going on this week. What was what was the the cliff notes? What's the short version of the bl- so? Uh, <laughs> What's the uh, question? Asa? What's it? Where Parshas told us is chapter twenty five, verse nineteen. Chaf hey, chapter ch- uh, chapter twenty five, verse nineteen. Per chaf hey pasuk yud test. was supposed to receive a blessing from because he's a firstborn from the Yitzhak. So when Yitzhak was already old and all of his bad whatever mm-hmm. and all of that, and then. Um, Instead, Yaakov received it with the help of Rivki, their mother. Rivki? I never heard her called Rivki. <laughs> <laughs> Rivka. Sorry. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> they probably they did call her Rivki. I'm not. I don't think. Yeah, we're, we're buds. We're buds. That's what we call her. In our circles, we call her Rivki. My, my, my buddy. <laughs> no, but literally, actually, we did it as a meditation. We did it like yeah. their other, whatever, like aunties and everything. So, my yeah. auntie. I'm auntie. <laughs> okay, yafe. Yafe. Okay. So there we, so the, yes. Yay, we finished the whole Parsha. Yay. They're bored. They you don't get along. We have a whole situation with the thing. We have you something. Okay. Yay. There's so many directions to take this Parsha. And I want to try to stay focused on one thing. Okay. Avram has three Torah portions where he is featured, right? Lech Chaisara. And Yaakov has the last six Torah portions. Those are Yaakov and the tribes. Yitzchak has one Parsha. This Parsha. His Parsha's told us we have the story of Yitzchak. Now, Yitzchak lives the longest of all of the forefathers. 180-something years, I think. Either 180, 180-something. I don't remember exactly. How old is Avram? Avram lives till 175. And Yaakov is 147. And if I'm not mistaken, Yitzchak lives to 180, but he might have had another couple of years and I'm losing someplace. Okay? He lives the longest. We hear the least about him. We hear very, very little. The whole story of the Akedah 
It's not Yitzchak's story. It's Avraham's story. And then, you know, we're going to turn the, the, the field over to Yaakov and his children very quickly. He has one little parsha going on over here, and I want to talk about Yitzchak, because if we don't talk about Yitzchak, like, we're, we're sort of skipping over a very important link in the chain. Emma, you had a question or a comment? Why, why are age declining? Like, the... It's post-flood. Pre-flood, they have massive long lives, yeah. and post-flood, they don't. Till you come to like, you know, Chesed stopped. Chesed stopped. <laughs> started, correct, and then we, and then you come to a place where, you know, to, to find somebody today who's a hundred years old with penicillin and sanitation is still quite novel. It's still a, a novel thing, so you know. It's like slowly declining, or, or. So it's it's yeah, it's declining. And how slowly? I don't know. Listen, you know, Moshe lives to one hundred twenty years. Only. Yeah, Moshe lives one hundred twenty years. When we talk about. Until he should live to 120, that's because that's Moshe. Moshe went to 120. You know, and then and then no penicillin and bad sanitation took its toll, and it back to where we are. We're starting to get a little taller and a little healthier and a little, a little longer. So yeah, that's the practical and the mystical sort of mushed together in one little challenge. So I want to talk about Yitzhak. Okay, let's start at the beginning. Okay, the Eilat told us Yitzchak ben Avraham. This is, these are the offsprings of Yitzchak, the son of Avraham. And immediately it says, Avraham holy to Yitzchak. Avraham gave birth to Yitzchak. And everybody who studies Torah is very, very bothered by this redundancy and this repetition and what's going on. Um, Rashi says, we did this Rashi already? No. What? But as soon as you asked that, I was like, wow, that would be something we learn in. Exactly. It's, a, it's an automatic. It's a, it's a, that's the first question. Like, what? Yeah. What's going on over here? And that's when you're starting to think like Torah scholars, and that's very good. Um, so you're not alone in your question. Everybody wants to know what's with the repetition. So Rashi says a very interesting thing. So, um, so first of all, he says, And, and Rashi says, Jacob and Esau, who we talk about in this Torah portion. Okay, now if you remember, we have a Parsha's Noah that starts off, Ve'elah told us Noah. Right, exactly. Look at Parsha's Noah. Look at the beginning of Noah, and it's the exact same beginning. So, exactly. So, why is that not called told us, and this is not called, like, if one gets, if we say the first word wins the name of the Parsha, so then that week should have been told us, and then this week should be Yitzchak. But it's not. That week is Noah, and this week is told us. So we're going to talk about this. If I do not answer this question, please make sure I get back to it. Um, so that's the first one. So the first thing we're going to talk about is that we're, that the, the offspring of, ya- of Yitzchak that we're talking about here are Yaakov and Esav, and I want to highlight what Rashi is saying, Ha'amurim Baparsha, as they were discussed in the Parsha. One of the things, and we're, I'm only mentioning this because we're not really getting into it because I really want to talk about Yitzchak, Hasidus is enamored with Esav. With Esau. Esau is like atomic energy, and could we channel it? Could we, like, when Hasidus looks at Esau, it looks at Esau as the potential, like, unbelievable potential. Unbelievable potential. Now, I'm not asking you to raise your hand for this question, but how many of us have gotten a report card that says, so-and-so is not living up to their potential? (laughs) But 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 no 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 no. Wait. So so Asaph Asaph doesn't live up to his potential. But in potential, Asaph is way 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 more powerful than than Yaakov. 
way more. The question is, what do you do with it? You know, the expression of bull in a china shop, that's Asa. He's like so incredibly powerful, not at all channeled. But when we talk about them in the Parsha, we're not actually only, ta- we're not talking about the extended, what Asa lived, list, you know, what his, his bigger picture was. Because Asa, the actual person, was a low-life scumbag. He was terrible. He was a terrible person. Um, and, his, and what his offspring is, is also terrible. But, but, where was the potential? And where, when you see a whole story about Yitzchak loving Esav and you wonder, what is going on over here? We're going to talk about that. But, that. but that's part of the conversation. So the first thing we say, the, so the offspring are Yaakov and Esav, we talk about the Parsha. Then, Rashi says, Aram Hulad is Yitzchak. It's Oriya's question, it's Ahava's question, it's everybody, every, before, every commentator's question, what's the repetition? Um, and so he says that, um, first of all, he's saying that because Hashem, that Hashem actually changed his name and he had it. And the other thing, Dover Acher, and this is what I want to, this is what I want to add over here. Yeah, Hashem changed whose name? Avram to Avraham. Uh-huh. So Avraham gave birth to Yitzchak, not Avram. Oh. Right? Yitzchak ben Avraham, but it still doesn't totally answer the question. It's highlighting that it's Avraham with the hey and not Avram without it. Okay, leave that for the Kabbalists. Um, then, it's, then, it, then it says, as soon as it says Avram ben Yitz, Av, Yitzhak, Yitzhak ben Avram, it has to say Avram gave birth to Yitzhak. Why? Because we never said that. No, we did. We did. We talked about it. Wow. No, you're saying no. You're saying Yitzhak gave Yitzhak the son of Avraham. Yeah. So then Rashi says, why do you have to say Avraham gave birth to Yitzhak? So Rashi says, Lifi hadar, because the scoffers were saying, and I'm going to paraphrase Rashi. Oh, right, that's Avraham's kid. Wink, wink. They just were in Gwar. She was just taken by Avimelech. Oh, oh, oh. right, that's Avraham's kid. For you know, forty years, twenty years, they're together, and they have no children, and all of a sudden, right? Adam's kid. So what is it? What is so? Rashi says, "What did Hashem do? He made them look identical. Avram and Yitzchak were identical. It's a miracle." Rashi says that they looked identical, so that nobody could say, you know, before you could have DNA testing, nobody could say, right, that he doesn't look like him. Which leads us to like a bunch of questions. A bunch of questions. Okay, first of all, first of all, if you want to tell me that the scoffers are saying that this is not his child, why wouldn't you say that when they were born? When Yitzchak was born, 60 years ago, he was born. Why wouldn't, why did the scoffers have anything to say about it then? Like, maybe they did. So then why does Rashi bring it? When we have the birth of Yitzchak, we have the story of that. Zara, you, know, you imagine the news, oh my gosh, they're had a baby. Right? Oh yeah, they're saying it's Adam's, right? That's 60 years ago. Why didn't anybody speak up then and say, huh? Whose kid is this, right? Now we do know that people were skeptical because we know that at his birth, at his, at his, at his bris, the people came and they left, they brought their babies and they left their wet nurses at home because there was talk, it was a Sufi, they found a, a, a child in the streets and they took the kid home, so they were bringing their own children to, to uh, they were bringing their children to, so Sarah could nurse them. But that conversation at his bris, did that make sense? Did I finish that sentence in English? 
mean, they like, can't. Like, people Rosh, people can't. Rashi talks about like, who says that right. I'm one of the richest of the babies. Right, right. So Rashi says, Rashi says that they brought their their babies without nursemaids. Right, Sarah had a baby at ninety. She suddenly had a baby, but then it wasn't a question about Avram. At his birth, it was a question about Sarah. Was she in fact the mother? And but the question of the, his paternity never came up. It, Rashi doesn't bring it up, and that would have been the normal place to say they questioned Sarah and they also questioned Avram. But we don't hear that then. So there's a whole conversation about what's going on about that. One of the things I I saw from like the more modern commentaries. Um, is that when Yitzhak was born, <coughs> people, were, me, people were not concerned with Yitzhak. Nebuch, parents are so old. What kind of life is this kid going to have? His mother's 90, his father's 100. Like, he's not a threat to us. When Yitzhak grows up and Yitzhak is successful mm-hmm. and he's doing things and he's making change, all of a sudden the scoffers say, Hmm, I wonder who his father is. I want not, meaning not for me, God forbid, I would never, it's like not about me, but like it's not Bakavidik for Avraham to have a grandchild like Asav, right? Where did that possibly come from? That for sure, it's, you know, it's, it's not that I'm just a gossip monger, it's just like Avraham's such a tzaddik, he's so holy, how is it possible? Probably. You know, probably, you know, that's what the story is. And one of the things that they talk about, like the modern commentaries, which is, I think it could only be a modern, well, Rashi brings it about the late Sunni Hadar, but like the expansion of the late Sunni Hadar, it is so easy for us today to be on the side of the scoffers, to be on the side of the skeptics, and not to be on, the skeptics only show up, the scoffers only show up, when somebody's successful. They don't come to this person, you know, like in the Hebrew, we call them a low mutzlach. Somebody who's not successful, who's whatever, just playing shesh in the shuk. Nobody worries about anything, right? Do something. Make a change. Start, start a project. Do some, you know, be an, act, an activist. All of a sudden... It's both ways too, like, it's not till someone's successful that people recognize their success in a good way as well. Like people don't have anything to say until it's there's something obvious that they can point. To. Right. So, but it, but and here's here's the thing: what side do we put ourselves on? What side do we put ourselves on? Do we go on the side of the Avraham side? We're going to be busy with doing good and doing and creating and building, or are we going to, in the name of of kindness and justice, and you know, it's not. It's not just that I'm feeling threatened because I'm not as successful as this person, but like I'm going to coach it in holy terms. Like it's not Bakavadik for Avraham, blah, 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 blah. What side do we choose to be on? And I feel today it's such a clear mark of what side you try to, you try to be on. You know, are we choosing to be on the side of goodness and kindness and love and progress? Or are we going to be on the side of not? And, and it can be something as blatant as, you know, being on the side of negativity. But in the subtle place, that the, the Leitzane Hadar, the scoffers, it's never, it's never an unfilled position. Like, who's going to be the skeptic? Who's going to be the one who's going to say, like, whatever, you know, I wonder where all the money's going to. They collected all that money. I wonder where... It's easy to be in the, on that side. And, I, and our, my bracha to all of us is that we don't step into that space. 
It's so easy to, you know, forward something that we think is maybe cute, maybe true, maybe, you know. Be, don't be on the side of the scoffers. Be on the side of the people who build and who create, not on the people who it's so easy to rip down somebody else's efforts. So that's, that's my first bracha to all of us. The other thing, the Rebbe talks about this a lot, is what kind of miracle is it that a father and son look alike? It's like rabbi and your son. Huh? <laughs> like the rabbi. Yes, exactly. Literally the same. Right? right? It's kind of normal. It's kind of normal for parents and children to look alike. So what's the big miracle? Hashem does this great miracle that Avraham and Yitzchak look alike. Now, if we go with the, the thought as, as the Gemara does, and that, that every single person, their personality shows on their face, now we understand why it's a big miracle. Because mm. Avraham is chesed. chesed, right? Yitzchak is gvura. How do chesed and gvura look like each other? They don't. But they do. But they do. I mean, chesed and gvura, in essence... No, no. They're two sides of the same <coughs> coin. No, they're two sides of a coin. Not the same coin, but they're both sides. Meaning, oh, okay. meaning for example... Avraham, who is pure chesed, has two children. One of the children is pure chesed. Who's Avraham's son? Who's pure chesed? Yitzchak. Not Yitzchak. Oh, Yishmael. Yishmael. Yishmael is, is pure chesed. I understand. But for a second, who looks more like Avraham? Yishmael. He is generous and he is hospitable and he is... There isn't, a, a, there isn't a taiva in the world that Yishmael wasn't interested in. He was passionate and he was exciting and he was out there. He's chesed. He's, he's the perversion of chesed. What is chesed? Huh? Chesed. Is it generosity? or what Generosity is- and kindness and giving. You know, the greatest hospitality you will ever find is within the tents of the Arab nation. Not outside the tent. Inside... Everything. They will give you everything. Outside the tent is a different conversation. But the, the chesed of Avram, you say, oh, Yishmael is for sure. For sure. Look, they're exactly the same either. They're, they're on the same spectrum. And the same with Yitzchak. Yitzchak is Gevura, and he has two children. Which of his two children is Gevura? Esav. Esav. is the extreme, is the, is the extreme perversion yeah. of Gevura. He takes Vura, which we're going to talk about for you in a second. He takes, it, he takes it from moral clarity yeah. and determination and perseverance, and he takes it to cruelty and gladiators and football, right? That's where Asaph goes. So when you see that there is this connection that, Yaakov, that Yitzchak has to Asaph, he recognizes the Midah. The problem is that Asaph is not worked out at all. Again, back to the place of his potential. Amazing. But practice, he didn't do any work on his Mida. He didn't do anything. He was, they have this conversation about, the, the Gemara talks about that, um, that, that in describing Esau, it, it talks about uh, there was a king had sons and one son was, uh, you know, was in charge of the storehouses of food and, um, and the other son was in charge of like construction. And everybody's coming to the son that has the food and getting sustenance. And the one who's having construction is like, 
Nothing's happening, right? So what does the son who's in charge of construction do? He goes around and he touches, he pushes at people's houses. And anybody whose house is weak, you lean on it, boom, the whole thing pulls it. Oh, you need bricks now, come to me. And that's how he fills his, his time, by breaking. He doesn't go to the people with strong houses. He goes to the people who have unstable foundations and unhealthy you know, paradigm, and over there he pushes, and when that collapses, Asaph comes and claims it. You, now you need me. Now you need me. Um, um, but in order to get to Yaakov, where Yaakov is going to end up being Tiferis and perfection, you need to go through Yitzchak. You need to take the Chesed, channel it through the Gevura, and then you end up with Tiferis. The, the extreme straight chesed, straight gvura, those have terrible, terrible perversions. That's not where it goes. But if you can take the chesed, this giving, 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 and put it into gvura and, and channel it, then you will see that you'll end up with a tiferes. It's something that, we, now if we look at Yach, at, sorry, if we look at Yitzchak's life, by the way, so I want to just say, nobody's care, nobody cares about my opinion, but it's not so fair to have one forefather whose name is Yitzchak and one whose name is Yaakov because they sound so much the same and I always mix them up. So just say that, right? Um, what do we know about Yitzchak? What do we know about Yitzchak? First of all, he never leaves the land of Israel. When he, there's a famine and he needs to travel, where does he end up going? He goes to Gerar. It's that we discussed it yesterday, two days ago, Zahava. He's, at, he's in Gerar. It's the southernmost part of the border of biblical Israel. Maybe it's a little bit lower, lower, but he's not allowed to leave the land of Israel. He was after offered, the huh? After the Akedah, exactly, because he was offered up as the, on the Akedah. He's not allowed to, he's not allowed to leave the land of Israel. So he goes. He, he he never leaves the borders. We know two things that he does. First of all, he is the only one of the forefathers who farms. We read in the Pesukim when he goes to when he goes to Avimelech when he goes to Gur, he farms. He, he sows whatever I'm going to say, wheat, but I don't know if wheat was the, the crop. He farms, and he's extremely, extremely, extremely successful over there and talks about how he got, from what he planted, he got Meishar, and he got 100 times more than what he had planted. He was extremely successful. And what's the other thing, Zahava, that he does? He um, uncovers the wellsprings. He, dig, he digs wells. He digs wells, okay? What, is he, what does it mean that he digs wells? Physically... Does any, I, have it, has anybody ever had the experience of... Digging Yeah, well, okay. <laughs> yes, I'm going to say that, but not really. Have you ever gone to the beach and you make oh, a yeah. sandcastle yeah. and it's, it fills with water immediately, yeah. right? What happens if you try... You know that the entire earth has water at its center, Yeah. right? That means no matter where you are, you could get to water if you could get deep enough... And, and solid enough to access the water. So when you're at the beach and you, you're trying to build a sandcastle and it keeps flooding with water, right? And it's so frustrating. Um, that's because you're so close to the source of water. But Yitzchak has the ability, he's in the Middle East, to dig wells, wells that Avraham had built. Chesed had built these amazing wells, but the Plishti were able to stuff it. They were able to, to, to clog them up. Stuff doesn't help. This must be a better, a real word. Stuff feels like a weird word. I don't know. The, so the, the, to, cover, so to cover, to cover it up, right? So the so so the so the the chesed wellspring where Albert said, "Come, I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you." That was able to be stuffed. 
Yitzchak goes and he uncovers them, and then he in this week's parsha, in this week's aliyah, yesterday, yesterday's aliyah, he he digs more. We hear him digging wells and digging wells and digging wells. It takes three things to dig wells. One, you need to believe that there's water there. Two, you need perseverance. And three, you need to constantly be shoring it up as it goes along, right? Because if you don't, you'll dig, dig, dig. It has to be stable enough that it could actually hold the water. It's not, right? To go from Avraham to Yaakov, we need to go through this place. He isn't only digging wells and bringing up water, which he is in fact doing. He is digging wells. But what is he doing? He's a second generation of a monotheistic religion that has a charismatic leader at its head. At its head. Avraham was amazing. He inspired people and he traveled around and he went here and he went there and he was all over the place and people flocked to Avraham and Sarah. They, they loved them. They came to them and they loved them. And then Yitzhak had to say, can we make this religion something that's sustainable past the charisma of Avraham? And how is that going to happen if you can find the water in yourself? I was just kidding. Give, 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 give. Take, 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 take. Here, here, here. Yitzchak, they came to Yitzchak, and they're like, Yitzchak, you're Avram's son. Give us. And he's like, here's a shovel. I will show you where to dig. I will show you how to dig. I will show you where your source of water is. But I'm not doing the work for you. I'm going to teach you also how to dig deep. And what happens when you get water, not by the beach, when you get water further away, the water that you're actually tapping into is pristine and clear and and because it's been hidden when we get there whoa that's something amazing it's good teaching advice <laughs> yeah you have to believe that it's there yeah. and you have to persevere and you have to keep doing it um now if we ever talk about somebody who seems to be misnamed yitzchak would be that person because what does yitzchak mean laughter, laughter. Yitzchak is like laughter. Really? He's, he's gavur. He's serious. He's moral clarity. He's perseverance. He's not the fun guy to hang out with. He's, he's straight. If you see when Avimelech comes to make a... Which I think is wild, right? There's a lot of things that repeat themselves from Avram and Yitzchak, right? But here... Uh, I think it's in Revi, I think. One second... So he's in, he's in Gurar, and he's very successful, and the people, um, the people kick him out. In chapter 26, verse 15 and 16 and 17, he, uh, the people in Gurar are like, uh, you're too successful for us. Goodbye. It's been lovely having you here, but leave. So he leaves. And he goes someplace else and he sells himself and he continues to... And then, and then after he digs more wells, then, um, and then Avimelech comes to make a peace treaty with him. Does this sound vaguely familiar? Have we heard this story before? We heard it with Avraham, right? With Avraham. What does Yitzchak say to them? Take a look, chapter 26, verse 27. What does Yitzchak say to them when they come to make a peace treaty? You, what does he come to say to them? Why have you come to me? You hate me and drove me away from you. What'd you come here for? You hate me. 
He's not letting them get away with anything. He's not just like, oh, so nice that you're here. We're so glad that you want to be our friends. He's like, what are you doing here? Why? Why are you here? Right? Um, he's a straight shooter. He's like a straight shooter. But, and this is the question, when you can persevere and you dig deep and you actually find water, is there anything more joyous than that? No. When you get to the place, you're breaking your teeth on Chumash. You're breaking your teeth in Gemara. And you're like, somebody just tell me the answer. And nobody's giving you the answer. Oh. And then they say, <laughs> dig deeper. Dig deeper. You can do this. What happens when... Oh my gosh. I got it. I can translate it. I understand it. It makes sense to me. That is really where the real Simcha is. So when we talk about offsprings, we talk about the name of our parshas, told us what kind of life do we want to live? Do we want to live a life of told us Noah? Noah, what does Noah mean? Rest. Rest, tranquility. Like, do we want to live a life where we just get to sit back and relax? Or do we want to have a life where we have such great laughter and joy from the success of our efforts? That's told us Yitzchak. Told us Noach, we think we want. But when you have that space, you can't live in that space for a long time. Like, we all need that space where we just, like, relax and everything, you know, we're not working right now. We're just scrolling, <laughs> let's say. We're, just, we're not doing anything. Is that really how we want to live our lives ultimately? No, it's good for, like, little snippets maybe of space. But where do we really find fulfillment in our lives? When we can take, we can say, Taldos Yitzchak, we work hard, we see fruits of our labor, and that is where our joy comes from. That's a productive life. That's a life that's worth living. And that, when we can do that, then we can transmit from the Chesed to the Gevur, from the Avram to the Yitzchak, to the Yaakov, who's going to be able to synthesize both of those Midas. Neither, no Mida in extreme is good. By definition, extreme is not good. But when we can really persevere and we can really show the value of hard work, so for example, we have the situation of, we have the situation of, uh, of uh, do we want everything given to us just on a silver platter? Or do we want to be able to work and achieve and have that? So then that's, what, that's, that's where we're going over here. Now, uh, so that's a little bit about the name of the parsha and Yitzchak. And this place of this, now, if, step back for a second. So why do, why do we not see, why does Yitzchak not see what's going on with Esau? Is he physically blind or emotionally blind to seeing his faults? And he thinks he's such a tzaddik? Or is something else going on over here? Mm-hmm. Because like, we, we read the Pesachim, he, he's not a nice guy. Like, you have to really be kind of clueless to what's going on over here. Um, but, uh, so if you take a look at the beginning where the, where they're, where they're born, where the, where Yaakov and Esau are born. Okay. I want to actually back up. I want to go back to where their birth is over here. First we have Rivka finally is, Rivka finally gets, gets pregnant and the children are fighting in her stomach. Um, and Rashi says that each one was fighting to get out to, the, to a different house of, house of worship when she walked by. 
That means when she walked by Avodah Zara, Asa was running to get out. When she walks by the yeshiva of Shaden Aver, Yitzhak Yaakov is, is running to get out. So, I mean, this isn't a class about Asa, but like, how do you blame him? In utero, he wanted, he was drawn to Avodah Zara. How do you blame him? If he actually grew up to be a, a crazy, terrible person, like, how do you blame him? If that was what his... It was my nature. That's who I am. I am not in control. Irrelevant. Huh? Irrelevant. Right. So that. So then. The, so the answer really is. The answer really is that we're not that we're not denying that that was his nature, but we are denying the end of the conversation, which is therefore I can't control it. Could you imagine what Asa would have been like had uh, had he channeled it? Had he channeled that? Just because I want to do something doesn't mean that I have to do it. I just have a bigger fight not to do what I want to do if it's not something that's a good thing to do. In a way, you know, in the Hasidic, one of the, I forgot which one of the Hasidic rabbis was saying, like, what should I do that I have a nature that wants to do good? Like, I, it's not such a struggle for me to do the good. I don't have, that's not my struggle. Like, so Asaph has this type of to do not good. And so... Yes, we are blaming him for not getting over it because that was his job. His job wasn't to just say, I can't help myself. I'm an angry person. Deal with it. No, his job was to channel it and to change it. Um, but what do I want to say here? So Rivka goes to find out what the answer is. And the first thing that she's very happy to find out that it's not one schizophrenic child. Right? <laughs> because if you have the same person who wants to do both of those things, that's a problem. Okay, two different. But she's also given a nevuah. And we don't know that she actually shares this with Yitzchak. We don't hear that she shares it. Now, maybe she did, but in the Pesukah, we don't see that she shares it. What is she told? That you have two nations in your womb, and it's back in the beginning, chapter 25, verse 23, and the older one will serve the younger one. So she already knows this before they're born. So she is, uh, so she is a little bit... Uh, into the situation of what's going on over here. And then it tells us, uh, then it tells us that they grow up. Esav is, he's a hunter, and Yaakov is Yoshev Olim. Okay? And, and just interesting, uh, what do we know, because we've worked on this a little bit, what do we know about the field? Esav is he's a person of the field. What do we know about the field? If I say field to you, what's your hyperlink? King. King in the field. King in the field, right? The field is the place of Avaida. Asa's place was to be in the field and to actually do the Avaida. It wasn't just to like run off and go hunting. Just putting that little hyperlink out there for a second. Okay? And Yaakov is Tom Yoshev Olim, but that's not really what I want to talk about here for a second. If you go to the next passage, verse 28, Vayehav Yitzchak es Asa. Yitzchak loved Asa. Kitzayed Bifiv, because he has game in his mouth. I don't know how do they translate it. Verifka Ohevisis Yaakov. And Rifka is in a constant state of love for Yaakov. Rifka Ohevisis Yaakov. She loves Yaakov. Okay? Um, so, who has a translation for Tzayed? Somebody has English. Verse 28. 
Yaakov listened to his father and mother. No, no, no. Chapter 25. Sorry. Oh. Chapter 25, verse 28. Exactly. Chapter 25, verse 28. It's, uh, it's a blood that for the game. Relish. Relish you cook for the game that's in his mouth. Yes. Now, we have to say to ourselves, Yitzchak loved Esav because he had food. Because he fed him? Because he hunted for him? Really? That's what Yitzchak was excited about? He loved him because he had food? He fed him? Right? He had game in his mouth? That doesn't make sense. Hasidus says, what, does this, what is this food that was by Esau? The food that Hasidus says was that Yaakov saw incredible, incredible kedusha, not just potential, sparks of holiness that were there and it was befiv. It was, where's in his mouth? Your mouth is not, an, it's not an internal part. It's, it's internal, but it's very close to the external, right? God forbid, a kid is choking, they have something in their mouth. You can get it out easily, right? So Yitzchak sees Esau. He sees this incredible, incredible potential in his mouth. That means there's something Yitzchak says to himself. If I can get this, if I can elevate this Kedusha here and now, then the 3,000 years of Gullus that we've suffered under the children of Esau, which is the kingdom of Rome, that could be averted. So why didn't he just tell Esau? Give it to me. Instead of pretending to be blind. And no, he was like, blind. But, but there was no, I mean like this, this like I think mental I, listen, blindness that he had. So I, I, I'm going to put out there, and you'll, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it for a second. Yitzchak was not so blind. It says he didn't know, he did it, da, 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 da. It seems no, so it's not, it, yes and no. It's not, it can't just be an act. Yitzchak, of anybody, is not going to make an act. He's not going to pull an act. Because when Avimelech comes to him and says, oh, let's be friends, he's like, really? Really? Why? Right? He's not making an act. He really, really believes that if I can love him enough, I can get him to release the Kedusha that's in him. You know? I, if I could get him to feel embraced and welcomed, then he will give up this Kedusha. And the Gemara actually says, Yitzchak Ta'ah, he made a mistake. He was not able to do it. That, that elevation of Esav, unfortunately, was not so easy to just like pop it out of his mouth and now we don't choke on it. We've been living in Gullus. We're under the children of Edom and the children of Esau for the last 2,000 years. And every place we go, we elevate the sparks that are found in all of those places. Yitzchak saw all of that in Esau. And he's like, can we just get around it? Now, the reason I say that Yitzchak wasn't actually blind, because as Malki said, we have the whole story of, this, of, the, of the blessings and back and forth. What? What? Right. So we, so he, so we have the whole thing with the brachas, where Yitzchak is. He doesn't. Think, he's suspicious about what's going on here, right? But what happens? Let's look to the brachas for a second. Uh, it's in today's. It's in Hamishi someplace, right? <coughs> they're gonna go. Uh, oh, so first of all, Esav marries these at forty. He marries these women, and they're terrible, and they, they're, they, they don't. He's like, oh, my father got married when. Um, um, he says, my father got married when I was 40, so at 40, I'm going to get married. Rashi says, never mind, till then he was, he was going around raping women and taking them from their husbands, but now all of a sudden, I'm going to go get married, and he marries women who have, 
who are idol worshippers, and it doesn't help the situation anyway. Anyway, now, chapter 27, we have the story of the brachas, and we know that what happens is that Yitzchak asks Esav to go bring him food, so he's going to be able to bless him, and Rivka hears this, and she says, this is a bad idea. This is a bad idea, and so she ends up getting Yaakov to dress up in his brother's clothing, which parenthetically, notice that Esav keeps his most precious items in his mother's house, not he has two wives, and his, he doesn't keep it there. He keeps it with his mother. He doesn't totally trust them. And, and Yitzchak, does, Yaakov does not want to go along with this. Rivka says, trust me, I'm, taking, it's, I'm, leaving. I'm making sure that this happens. Okay? So he goes and he gives, they get, he gets the brachas, beautiful, beautiful brachas. Okay? I'm skipping that for a second because that's what we're talking about. I want to, I want to go, if you see Yitzchak, sorry, Yaakov ex- exits stage left, and Esav walks in stage right, and all of a sudden Yitzchak is like, oh my gosh, what happened? What happened over here? I just blessed the wrong person. And he cries. And if you want to talk about like, uh, you know, being able to find compassion for, he, so Esav, in chapter 27, verse 34, when Esav hears that the brachas have been given away, he cries, he gives out an extremely bitter Bitter cry. And he says to his, his father, Esav cries. Esav cries. cries. He saw that he didn't get the brachas. And he cries and he says, Please, father, bless me. And he says, and Yitzchak says, Your brother came, he came in, in trick treachery and he took it. And what do you want me to do? I already gave him everything. So, uh, uh, so Esav says, in Pasuk Lamaches, in verse 38, Esav says to his father, Do you only have one blessing? Give me something. Give me something. How is it possible that you don't have a bracha for me? So Yitzchak finds something. When your brother isn't, doesn't behave, you'll be the ruler. But then we find something very interesting that happens. The next, the end of the, the, end of the parsha, when Rivka hears that Esav really wants to kill Yaakov, she, says, she goes to Yitzchak and she says, if Yaakov marries one of these Canaanite women, I will be devastated. Let's send him to my brother and let him go find a wife by my brother. And what happens, what happens um, in chapter 28, the beginning of 28, chapter 28, Yitzchak calls Yaakov and he blesses him. He blesses him and he gives him, what does he say? He says, go get a wife there. All the blessings from Avraham, I'm giving to you and to your children. Does that mean that Yaakov, Yitzchak was blind? Yitzchak wasn't blind. He was never going to give the brachas of Avraham to Esau. He knew who he was dealing with. He knew that wasn't, he wasn't, going to carry on the Abrahamic dynasty. That wasn't what his job was. But what did he think? And this is where Rivka and, Rivka and Yitzchak very, very much disagreed. Yitzchak saw the brothers as a partnership. He said, we'll have one person have holiness, one person have physicality, they will work together, and they will, and they will together, you know, sanctify the world for Hashem. And Rivka said, that's not possible. It doesn't work like that. You need to have one person 
who actually is capable of carrying both of those things, who is, is capable of carrying the physical and the spiritual. It's, you can't divide it because then what happens is the physical one just goes physical, physical, physical and has no meaning and the spiritual one just goes floating off you know, like a helium balloon. One person, one nation has to have both the physical and the spiritual. And at the end of the day, Rivka's vision was more correct. Rivka's vision was correct. So that, Yitz, so that Yaakov ends up with both the, the Abrahamic dynasty and the bracha of Shammai and, and all the brachas of, of, of the earth and, and plenty. And, and, and one of the things that's very, very, I think very, very telling for us in the story, and we're going to wrap with this, is that Rivka takes Yaakov. She doesn't go to Yitzchak and say, Asa's a louse and he's a terrible person. Give the brachas to this beautiful angelic child. That's not what she does. She takes Yaakov and she dresses him up and she presents him to his father as something that he isn't actually. And one of the things that Rivka is giving to all of us, she's giving us two things. First of all, we don't only have to be angelic to get brachas from our father in heaven. It doesn't matter who we are. When we come to our father and we say, bless us father, he will bless us. That's the first thing. It's not only if you're all perfect and you've done all your mitzvahs and everything's wonderful, then you're deserving a bracha. No, you're, you look like an Esav, you smell like an Esav, you can still get a bracha. That's one thing that she gave us. The other thing that she gave us is that when we do Esav, we go to work and we're doctors and lawyers and whatever it is that we're doing and writers and teachers and artists and dreamers, whatever it is that we're doing, and it looks like that's who we really are, we have to remember that we are Yaakov inside. We're only using these tools to make the world a home for God, to make the world a better place. We aren't actually, like, who am I? No, I'm not a doctor, a lawyer, or whatever. I am, in fact, a Jew, and that's what I happen to do. And I think that for us to be able to hold on to our sense of who we really are, it's important for us to understand that our clothes, we could change. You can put your clothes on, you can put your clothes off. The attitudes that we have, the places that we have, the what is our core? Our core is Yaakov. Our core is that ability to balance physical and spiritual, the ability to make this home a home for God. The clothes that we wear, secondary to the conversation. It's secondary to the conversation. And sometimes the people around us look at us and say, oh, I know that about you because of how you dress. Maybe, maybe not. That's not necessarily a true, truly who we are. So... This is the week that we deal with Yitzchak. I want to give us a bracha, and I think that the Yitzchak bracha for us is that we go deep and that we go, and that we go into such a place that nothing around us will influence what it is that we have and what we're able to do. Yitzchak digs wells. It goes deep, deep, deep. It goes through the stone. It goes through the gravel. It goes to that beautiful, sweet water that's in the, in the center of the earth. And when we dig into ourselves and we say, who am I really? What am I really? What am I capable of doing? That we have the ability to really go deep and, and tap into something that will sustain us no matter what it is or no matter what it is that we're faced or where we go or what people want to laugh at us for what we're doing. Have an awesome rest of the day and uh, good job. Bye.